0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My Bible is opened up to 2 Samuel chapter 16. I really need you to get a Bible out and turn it to Second Samuel, Samuel chapter 16 as well. This is kind of a lengthy reading, and on top of that, it's kind of an unfamiliar reading. And so let's all be finding 2 Samuel 16, as we're going to be working entirely out of the Old Testament this morning. we going to be working in Samuel, and then we'll jump over to Kings... For these next few minutes. As you're turning to 2 Samuel chapter 16. I will echo the welcome from earlier. It is great to see everybody on what appears to be just a beautiful Lord's Day morning here in February. We don't really expect these 50 and 60 degree kind of days in February. But... I am especially thankful when we get days like this and it falls on a Sunday because it just seems like that helps to, to, to lift our worship to a whole nother level because we're just, we're just filled with energy. We see the sunshine and uh, having a good day like we have today. And so I'm glad that you're here and I'm eager to be about the business of studying God's Word for the next couple of minutes. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, this is during the reign of King David. And in particular at this time, David has fled from Jerusalem. Because his son Absalom has attempted to seize the throne and in fact his son Absalom is attempting to kill him. And so David is like a fugitive almost. He is on the run. And so we pick up in the middle of David's flight, in the middle of his journey, in this somewhat strange encounter that's recorded for us beginning in verse 5 of 2 Samuel 16. It says there that when King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerah. And as he came, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on David's right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out! Get out, you man of blood, you worthless man! The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Verse 9, Then Abishai, one of David's mighty men, the son of Zariah, he said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David... Well, who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men, they went on the road, while Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and flung dust. Now, we'll come back to that story in just a moment, but let me direct your attention to the screen for just a minute or two here. And let's just notice some images. In fact, just notice for a second the background here on my PowerPoint slides for today. I've heard that there's a big football game going on this evening. So in the spirit of the Super Bowl, let's think for a second about that football field there. We all know about football fields and actually... There's something in that image that not only does football have, but actually it's something that virtually all major sports have in common. Football has it, but also baseball has it. Basketball has it. Tennis has it. Lots of other sports have it. Volleyball has it. Soccer, auto racing has it. But you know, it's not just a sports thing. Neighborhoods have it. Highways and roads, they have it. States and countries and counties, they have it. In fact, there's even a sense with some people, even some individual people, even they have it. What exactly is it? What is the common denominator in all of those images? Well, in all of those things, there are boundaries. Boundaries is going to be the key word for today. In geography, we would refer to that As a border. In real estate, we might refer to that as the perimeter of the property. Uh, With individual people, they would refer to that as my personal space. And of course, in sports, we're always going to talk about that in terms of the difference between inbounds and out of bounds. All around us, every single day, there are boundaries. Lines that have been drawn. Limits that have been set into place for very specific reasons. Think, for example, about the highways and the roads and the lines that are there. Why are those lines there? How willing are you to go driving on the highway or on the interstate if those boundary lines are not present? I don't think I'm willing to do that. I don't think I want to do that. It would make that exponentially more dangerous. Boundaries then help to provide us with safety. They provide us with security. They are there for our good. Well, in 2 Samuel chapter 16, we are introduced to a man who really seems to have a problem with boundaries. His name is Shimei. And the way that we read in those verses just a moment ago, the way that he treats David is really just deplorable to say the least. He's cursing at David. He's throwing rocks at David. He's flinging dust in his direction. He's doing all of that to the king, the king of Israel. You might be saying, okay, Josh, I I see that. I read those verses. And yeah, Shimei is a bad guy. I don't want to be like that guy. But what's that have to do with all this talk about boundaries? Well, the Shimei story doesn't end in 2 Samuel 16. This is merely just some foreshadowing. Turn a few pages now in your Bible to 1 Kings, please. In 1 Kings chapter 2, you know, if all that we were ever told about Shimei was that obscure passage in Samuel, then probably we think the takeaway of that story is, you know, don't be mean to people. Don't disrespect your leaders. And that would be a good lesson. But in 1 Kings chapter 2, I believe we find a greater reason as to why the Holy Spirit included the Shimei story in Scripture And that is because it's going to illustrate for us some powerful and important truths about boundaries. Specifically, it's going to help us to understand some things about God's boundaries. Let's read a little bit here in 1 Kings chapter 2. This is a few years after the events of 2 Samuel 16. And David is now an old man. In fact, David is at the end of his life. And as he lies there on his deathbed, he is giving instructions to his son Solomon who will soon inherit his throne. Part of those instructions is for Solomon to remember what Shimei had done to his father several years prior. And David says, Solomon, I want you to remember, verse 8, I want you to remember Shimei, the son of Gerah, the Benjamite from Behurim, who cursed me with a grievous curse on the day when I went to Mahanaim. But when he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death by the sword. Now therefore, verse 9, Now therefore do not hold him guiltless. For you, Solomon, you are a wise man. You will know what you ought to do to him. You will bring his gray head down with blood to shield. And so David says, yep, I'm old and yes, I'm near the point of death. But I haven't forgotten the despicable things that that Eye fellow did to me years ago. Nor have I forgotten the promise that I had made to him that I would not put him to death by the sword. But you, Solomon, you, you have wisdom. God has endowed you with great wisdom and so you do what is just and you do what is right. And so David dies. Solomon then becomes the king of Israel. And as he's beginning to set in order and put the things in place that his father had told him to do, one of the first orders of business is for him to address this long-standing issue with Shimei. Drop down in that very same text, verse 36. Then the king sent and summoned Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there. And do not go out from there to any place whatsoever. For on the day that you go out and cross the brook Kidron, know for certain that you shall die. Your blood shall be on your own head. Verse 38, And Shimei said to the king, What you say is good. As my lord the king has said, so will your servant do. So Shimei lived in Jerusalem for many days. Let's just pause right there for just a moment. And let's make sure that we understand the, kind of the gentleman's agreement that's been set forth here. What's the terms of the deal? Solomon says, Shimei, you had some issues with my dad long ago, but here's the deal. I want you to build a house here in the city of Jerusalem. I want you to live right here. I want you to stay where my watchful eye can be upon you. I know that you're related to Saul. I know you've got some hard feelings about my dad taking the throne from Saul. So I want to keep an eye on you. I want you to be able to be under my watchful monitoring and my watchful eye. Don't be going anywhere else. You stay here in Jerusalem. But if at any point, if you leave the boundaries of the city, if you leave the boundaries and you go beyond the brook Kidron, you're going to die. You are a dead man if you cross that Line. Everybody follow that? Pretty simple here. Jerusalem, inbounds. Beyond the brook Kidron, out of bounds. That's pretty straightforward. That's pretty clear. In fact, look at verse 37 again. Solomon says that these terms, these conditions, these boundary lines, they are so clear, Shimei, that if you break the terms, if you cross that boundary, then buddy, it's your own fault. You will have brought this upon your own head. Solomon has drawn a boundary line very clearly. What do you think happens next? Well, the very next verse begins with the word, but. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 39. But it happened at the end of three years that two of Shimei's servants, they ran away to Gath. Gath is the place where Goliath was from. And when it was told to Shimei, behold, your servants are in Gath, Shimei arose And he saddled a donkey, oh no, and he went to Gath. He went to seek his servants. And so Shimei went and he brought his servants back from Gath. And when Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and returned, the king sent and summoned Shimei and said to him, Shimei, what are you thinking? Did I not make you swear by the Lord and solemnly warn you, saying... Know for certain that on the day you go out and go to any place whatsoever, you should die. And you said to me, you said to me, what you say is good, I will obey. Why then have you not kept your oath to the Lord and the commandment with which I commanded you? The king also said to Shimei, you know in your heart all the harm that you did to David my father. So the Lord will bring back your harm on your own head. King Solomon shall be blessed And the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Verse 46, Then the king commanded Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck Shimei down, and he died. There are three important truths that I believe Shimei's story just powerfully illustrates to us about boundary lines. You know, our Bible reading last week and this week has been about the two covenants. How there is a division in those two covenants. But this week we'll actually be reading some chapters that talk about the value of the Old Covenant. Yes, we no longer live by the laws of the Old Covenant, but there is value in the Old Testament Scriptures that we can learn from the Old Testament. We can learn from the example of those people who lived under that first covenant. And this morning, I want us to look at this Old Testament story. And I want us to learn from it. I believe there's some amazing lessons we can learn here. This story helps us to understand in a big way just some timeless truths about God's boundaries. And that all begins with this first, maybe one of the most important truths of all, and that is that grace has boundaries. That's kind of hard to say. People don't say and think in those terms, but grace has Boundaries. Let's just think for a moment about the grace that Shimei had been the recipient of. Think about it. Here's a man who had cursed King David. I mean, he's just laying it on David. He essentially wished death upon David as he came out and said those curses. He taunted the king, made fun of the fact that his son Absalom was in rebellion to him, so just making light of his family situation. He's trying to inflict physical harm upon the king. He's throwing rocks at him, flinging dust. Just utterly disrespectful. What does Shimei deserve for that kind of conduct? I'll tell you what he deserves. He deserves to die. In fact, David's mighty men, they were right there, hand on the sword, ready to pull it out at a moment's notice and drop him where he stands if David would let them. That Shimei, he's a dead dog. And yet... David spares his life. In fact, David doesn't even impose any punishment upon Shimei. Do you know what that's called? It's that five-letter word right there. That is grace. David was extremely gracious to Shimei, to a man who did not deserve that grace. Flash forward several years now. What does Solomon do to this guy? Well, Solomon gives him, Solomon gives him even more grace. Instead of just taking immediate vengeance upon him for the bad things that he had done to his father, Solomon says, Shimei, I'm going to let you live. I'm going to let you live right here in the beautiful city of Jerusalem. I'm going to let you build a house right here, and you're going to get to live out the rest of your days. I kind of take it that Shimei was probably an older man. i going to let you live out the rest of your days in peace and tranquility right here in Jerusalem. Solomon had the authority to just lock him up, throw him into jail for... Insubordination or whatever the charge might be. Solomon had the ability to just execute him on the spot if he wished. But he didn't. Instead, he extended to him grace. Extended amazing grace to this wretched, rotten sinner. Kinda like, kinda like what God does for you and for me, isn't it? All of us, we are shimei. In the sense that all of us have sinned. We have rebelled. We have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3 verse 23. And of course the wages of that sin is what? Romans 6 23. It is death. We deserve to die because of our sins. All of us who are of an age of accountability and maturity. All of us, we have broken God's law. We have brought shame upon the Lord. At some point in time we have all ignored the Lord's word. We are guilty. We deserve death. And yet... God allows us to live. God has not pushed the smite button and just struck any of us with lightning and dropped us dead on the spot for our sins. No, He's allowed us to live. In fact, He's allowed us to live and enjoy all the blessings of this world. Get to breathe His air. Get to eat His food that He's put here. Get to live in a beautiful place that He has created for us. All kinds of good things God's done for us wretched sinners. And on top of that, most importantly of all, God graciously gives us the opportunity to then be forgiven of all the sins that we've committed. Gives us the opportunity to go and live with Him in heaven for all of eternity. That is amazing. That is wonderful. That is grace. But here's where you got to start paying attention. And here's where sometimes it seems to get tricky for folks. That grace, that amazing grace that God extends, it has some limits. It has some restrictions. It has some boundaries. That's how it worked with Shimei. Shimei, you can live. I'm going to allow you to live in Jerusalem. In those borders. You can't go build you a house in Jericho. You can't go build you a house in Ramoth-Gilead. You can't go anywhere beyond the brook Kidron. It has to be within these boundaries in Jerusalem. And I want you, as you look there at verse 36 again, I want you to appreciate the clarity with which Solomon speaks. Solomon did not say, now Shimei, I want you to build shop and build a house somewhere in the vicinity of Jerusalem. No. He does not say, I want you to live close to Jerusalem. No. He doesn't say, now Shimei, don't you go too far from Jerusalem. No. And the reason that Solomon did not use that kind of broad terminology is because everybody would have just interpreted that in their own way. I mean, you say, don't go too far. Well, well how far is too far? You say, live close. Well, well, how close is close enough? Everybody would have had their own definition about that kind of language. But when Solomon says, don't go beyond the brook Kidron, that's a pretty definitive line being drawn, wouldn't you say? Can I ask you this morning? Hasn't God drawn some very definitive lines that he wants and expects his people to operate within the boundaries of even today. 2 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that everyone who goes on ahead, that is, everyone who goes beyond and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, that person does not have God. That's a very important boundary line that the Lord has set forth there. got to stay within that boundary, stay within the doctrine of Christ. And so it should come as no surprise to us that in a number of different places and in a number of different ways, God has established boundaries for us. God has established, for example, boundaries for the home as to what marriage is to look like. God has established boundaries about what qualifies as a divorce that He will accept and a remarriage. God's got some boundaries about that. God has some boundaries for human relationships and human sexuality. That here is what is lawful, here is what is acceptable, and here is what is outside of those boundary lines. God has boundaries as it pertains to the church, as to what the work of the church is to be, as to what the worship of the church is to be about. God has boundaries for just our own personal conduct, as to how we're to live and conduct ourselves in this world as we live in a day-to-day existence. And so it is for those reasons that we get our Bibles out, we read, we study. And it's why we come together and we read and we study and we help each other to come to an understanding and to come to an appreciation of what those boundaries are so that we can then live within those boundaries. And what we come to find the more that we study God's Word is that God is not, God's not vague. God's not undefined. God's not left us here on earth all alone to scratch our heads and try to figure out all by ourselves as to where these lines are that He's put into place. No. He's given us this book. And He's given it to us so that we can operate within the boundaries of His grace. In fact, that verse I quoted a second ago from Second John chapter 1, verse 9. That verse goes on to say that whoever abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. That's what we want. I want to stay in God's favor. God's grace is not a license for us to just do whatever we deem best, whatever it is that we want, whatever it is that just makes most sense to us. No, that grace is a precious gift, and its borders are to be respected. And unfortunately, those lines are not always respected. And that is this second truth from the Shimei story. And that is that time and circumstance often cause people to start taking some liberties with those boundary lines. Do you remember, as we were reading there just a moment ago, do you remember how much time had passed between the time that Solomon and Shimei make this agreement and the time that the agreement is broken? Look at verse 39 again. Three years. Three years had passed. Now, I point that out, and I think this is significant, because I want you to see that the temptation to break that agreement, it didn't happen the week of Shimei building his house in Jerusalem. I don't think he built that house in Jerusalem and like immediately he was like, I'm making a run for the border. I don't think that's how that happened. I don't think that that happened within the first month. I don't even think that temptation was even there, even within the first year. It's so over three years. Shimei does good. He's a good boy. He's obedient. He's walking the straight and narrow. For three years, he stays within the boundaries that the king had given to him. And he stays within those boundaries not because he was trapped, like he had some big gigantic fence built around his house and he couldn't get out and he couldn't escape. No. For three years, Shimei respected that line that the king had drawn. Three years have now passed. Some time has gone by. And in fact, not only has some time passed, but some circumstances have arisen. Some circumstances, some pretty extenuating circumstances that at least in Shimei's mind, give him a pretty valid reason to maybe kind of violate or push that boundary line a little bit. And what is the circumstances here? Well, the circumstance is, two of my slaves have ran away. Two of my servants, they've gone, they've jumped the border. And that's that's a big loss to me. That's, that's part of my income. That's how I get some of my income. That's my property that's ran off there. And so surely, this is an emergency situation, surely Solomon is going to understand, right? i got to go, i got to get them, and i got to bring them back, i got to retrieve them. You know, I think about that. And it makes me think about how the devil is just incredibly good at dangling those carrots just, just right across the border. He's good at dangling those temptations. Just right across the line, we can see them. In fact, we just jump across the line, and just get them, and then come running right back. And the devil says things to us all the time, convinces us of things like, you know, look, you've been faithful for a really long time. I mean, how long have you been a Christian? Man, think about how many church services you've been coming to Man, you've been doing really good for a really long time. And come on, it's not like if you do this, it's not like if you take that care, it's not like you're going to do this forever. No, look at Shimei, what did he do? He went and did it. And then he came back. And that's what you're going to do. It's just going to be for a short time. It's just going to be one time. What's it really going to hurt? Or what about whenever Satan whispers to us? And he says, hey, You've got a really legitimate reason to cross that boundary line. And surely, surely God's going to understand your extenuating circumstance. You know, I think about people in the Bible who I think probably were convinced that, yeah, God's going to understand. On this occasion, God is going to understand. What about Uzzah? When Uzzah put his hand out to steady the ark of God, 2 Samuel chapter 6, yeah, okay, God established a very clear boundary about touching the ark, but come on, it's about to fall off. This is, a, this is an extenuating circumstance. Or what about Lot's wife in Genesis chapter 19? I often wonder about that woman. When she turned around to see the city of Sodom and Gomorrah burning and flames right behind her, I, I wonder, even though God had clearly said, don't look back. Whatever you do, don't turn back. I often wonder, what was she thinking that day? What was going through her mind? Maybe she was turning around because she wanted to make sure that her kids had made it out. Hey, I'm a good mother. I'll take, make sure my kids are took care of. Make sure that they come out. It seems like a legit reason. Maybe she had some friends and some neighbors that she had maybe even been kind of talking to and trying to help them to understand some things about God. She was being evangelistic, and so she was wondering if maybe they had escaped. Hey! That seems like a good reason. Whatever it was in her mind, she must have thought to herself, it'll be okay just this one time. You know why she would have thought that? It's because our adversary, our adversary, the devil, he will always make it appear that disobedience, well, disobedience can be a good thing. That it just makes sense every now and then to cross God's boundary line. You know, look, I, I know I fudged the numbers a little bit, and I know that I kind of wasn't totally honest and forthcoming about some things, but you know what? I really needed that job. I couldn't afford to lose my job. I had to do that. There was no way that I was not going to do that. Or somebody maybe says, yeah, you know, I, I know I probably shouldn't have got up in that person's face. And I probably shouldn't have said the things that I said to them. And I probably shouldn't use the kind of language that I did use toward them. But you know what? I had to let them know that they're not going to walk all over me. I had to put my foot down and make sure that they understood that I'm not going to be treated that way. Or how about this? Think about how many marriages have ended because somebody said, Hey, I just wanted to be happy. I've been miserable in my marriage for so long and I just wanted to be with somebody who would make me truly happy and make me feel good again. Or how about this, somebody who says, you know, I've just been really down lately. Just been tough in my life. Been really tough at work, dealing with some tough stuff in my home. And so I needed that drink. Or I needed that drug. Or I needed that fill-in-the-blank. In those moments, those things seem good to us. In fact, they make sense to us. But they take us over that Boundary line. Don't let Satan deceive you into ever thinking that God's clear boundaries are somehow flexible or that they are somehow situational. There is never a situation where doing wrong is going to be right. In fact, I wonder if Shimei had kind of just resigned himself to the fact that, okay, my slaves have ran away. I don't have any other choice. I need to go get them. I need to do the wrong thing. No, you don't have to do the wrong thing. There's always another opportunity to do the right thing. Shimei could have, he could have sent somebody else to get his slaves. He could have just taken it as a loss. I'll just write this off on my taxes. I lost two slaves this year. But instead, he made the decision. He chose to cross that boundary. And it makes me want to say to Shimei, if I'd have had the opportunity, Shimei, what does it profit if you gain your two slaves? but lose your own life. And that does lead directly into this third and final truth this morning from the Shimei story. And that is that God's clear boundary lines, they must be respected or there's going to be consequences. Think about the consequences that come whenever we cross various boundary lines in our world today. If you're a football player, and you carry the ball outside of those white lines alongside the field, what's going to happen to you? What's going to happen is, is the ref is going to blow his whistle because you've went out of bounds. You may cause your team the possession. You may actually cause your team to lose the entire game. That's the consequence. Or if you're a driver and you're driving on the highway, and you cross that boundary line, that yellow line, that yellow stripe in the middle of the road, and you're weaving over here on this side, what might be the consequence of that? Well, you might get ticketed for reckless driving. Maybe even worse, you may actually be the cause of an automobile accident. Or like here. What if you're Shimei, and you cross the line that Solomon had clearly marked down there at the brook Kidron? What's going to happen? What's going to happen is is you're going to lose your life. Now, the tendency, I think, on our part is to maybe look at this particular story and we look at it through 21st century American eyes and we say, you know what? That just doesn't really seem fair. You know what happened to Shemmy? This doesn't seem right. I mean, come on. It's like he was trying to run away. He was going to get his slaves. He had a good reason. And he came back. That ought to tell us something. He came back. So this isn't fair how he's treated here. But the truth is... It was fair. Solomon was very clear when he laid out those terms and conditions. And for Shimei's part, he was very clear in his acceptance of those terms and those conditions. There were no clauses put in there. There were no exceptions written in there. No kind of contingency language put into the agreement. Now I tell you what, Shimei, if it gets too hot over here in Jerusalem... Maybe you just go and take a visit up to the hill country of Galilee, you cool off for a couple days, and then you come back. That'll be part of the agreement. Or, hey, Shimei, look, if your mama gets sick back in Behurim, you can go and visit her and tend to her, and then you can come back. Or somebody in your family, they're having a wedding, and you need to go out of town. Hey, you go do that, and then you come back, and that'll be okay. No, there's none of that in there. Solomon simply said, this is the boundary, and if you cross it, there's going to be consequences. And indeed, there were consequences. And at the end of the day, I believe, if you were to ask me, what's the problem with Shimei? I believe the problem with Shimei was there was a failure on his part to take Solomon's word seriously. And I think that's a failure that happens all too often today. That might even be the most important takeaway from this entire lesson. That God expects us to take His word seriously. We don't get to play fast and loose with the boundaries that God has set up. Which means then, we need to come to grips with the fact, and we need to come to grips with this very, very quickly, that there are just some lines I am never, ever going to cross. There are some lines as a congregation that we will never, ever cross. This church will never be an instrumental music church at least not as long as I'm here. There may be, I realize, there may be any number of justifications or any number of explanations as to why churches do that today, but I believe a careful study of the New Testament would restrain us from ever crossing that line. This church is never going to offer and provide the fun and games gospel that appeals to the carnal side of man instead of feeding the spiritual side of man. That is a line that, yes, I realize it might appeal to a whole lot of people out there, and it may draw in all kinds of folks if we would just cross that line. But if we did that, it would not be met with the Lord's approval. I, as a preacher, I am never going to give you the impression, or I'm never going to stand up here and preach that you can be saved without baptism for the remission of sins. I'm never going to tell you that faith only or the sinner's prayer or just accepting Christ into your heart, that somehow that that is a biblical alternative to God's true plan for salvation. I'm never going to tell you that homosexuality or abortion are acceptable behaviors despite the growing tendency in our culture and in churches today to be accepting of those things, to be tolerant of those practices. Even though people have tried to stretch God's boundary lines on those things, we're never going to do that here. I'm never going to be willing to cross that line. We are never going to knowingly act and operate outside of the authority of Christ because once we cross that line, I'm going to be left with the same question that Peter asked of Jesus. Lord... Where then shall we go? Where are we going to go? If we decide that we're going to cross those lines of the doctrine of Christ, those things that take us beyond the doctrine of Christ, then where does that leave us? Where will we go? Well, I'll tell you this. We're not going to go anywhere good. I'm not going to go anywhere that's going to bring us closer to Jesus Christ, that's for sure. In fact, can I maybe just take that one step further? Imagine if you were Shimei, as icky as it sounds, as so think about putting yourself in Shimei's shoes. But imagine you were Shimei. And Solomon told you what he said here in this text. That, hey, here's your boundary. You stay in Jerusalem. Don't you cross the brook Kidron. Don't you dare cross that brook because if you do, you're going to die. Can I ask you, would you go down to that brook every day and take your shoe off and put your toe in the water? And if you put your toe in the water and found out that, hey, nothing happened, would you be willing to maybe put not just one foot, but maybe two feet into the water? Hey, look, nothing happened. I didn't die. And then after putting two feet into the water, would you maybe kind of walk out a little bit? Hey, now I'm in the middle of the brook. And look, everything's okay. Everything's working out just fine. I'm not dead. Would you be willing to do that each day? See, people kind of nodding their heads saying, no, nope, I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't risk that. I would not be willing to see how close I can get to the edge without dying. Why then would we ever want to do that with anything related to the Word of God? When God speaks and when He clearly defines for us what is in bounds and what is out of bounds, it is our responsibility then to respect those lines and to take Him seriously. Otherwise... We are setting ourselves up for certain failure. And when that happens, just like with Shimei, it will be no one else's fault but our own. God has indeed drawn some boundary lines. And whether we realize it or not, those boundary lines, they are for our good. Sometimes people talk about God's boundary lines, talk about them in such a negative way. Oh, God's just trying to be so restrictive doesn't want me to have fun and do all kinds of things. God's just trying to to, to to stifle my fun. That's not the case here. God gives us these lines for our good. They protect us from sin and from error and from ultimate destruction. But you know what? Aside from protecting us from the bad things that are outside of those boundaries, think about the fact that God's boundary lines, they insulate us to the good things that are within His boundaries. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 21, Jude says there, keep yourselves in the love of God. I like that verse. I like the idea of that verse. That's how the ESV renders it. I like exactly how the Living Bible translates. Not a big fan of the Living Bible Translation, but I like how this verse reads. It says, stay always within the boundaries where God's love can reach you and bless you. And that's exactly right. When we stay within the boundaries that God has established, there is great blessing to be found. It is within those boundaries that we find joy and peace and hope and contentment and assurance and answered prayer and forgiveness. The list goes on. But we only enjoy those blessings whenever we stay in bounds. The question now is, where are you at? Where are you at right now with God? Are you in or are you out? If you are not a Christian, if you are not a part of the body of Christ, then the answer to that question is, you're out of bounds. And that is a very dangerous place to be, friend. But you can change that. By God's grace, you can change that this very morning. You can render your obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, confess your faith in Jesus as Lord, repent and turn from sin, be baptized in water for the remission of those sins. You can become a Christian today that puts you in Christ, that puts you in bounds. Now it's up to you that then live a life that's faithful to the Lord in the boundaries that He has established. Can we help you to become a Christian today? If you are a Christian... But it may be, brother or sister, that you've not been living in bounds. You've been walking outside those boundary lines. Maybe you've even convinced yourself that somehow you're going to kind of have the best of both worlds. I'll kind of walk in bounds some days, and other days I'll kind of walk out of bounds. It doesn't work that way. You're either all the way in, or you're all the way out. And if your foot is sticking out, we are encouraging you to repent, to come back to the Lord, let us pray with you, encourage you, and help you in whatever way that we can, so that all of us can be in bounds, One day we can all be in heaven with the Lord. Whatever your need may be, you simply need to make that known by coming to the front. Do that right now while we stand and while we sing.